live from Rwanda. This is the afternoon show with Dr. Harine Otieno. Hello, everybody. It's been ages since I was on air. So thank you very much for joining me for my first show in the year 2022. I'm looking forward for a great conversation, catching up, reflecting on 2021 and beginning to check what's going on in Africa in terms of education matters in 2022. It's going to be an interesting session, an interesting show. We're going to be all live place, from Rwanda. Great this is the afternoon show with Dr. Harine Otieno on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. It is Sunday afternoon on Teacher Stock Radio, then you know Africa's old education doctor and education evangelist is on air, bringing us together around the African fire to talk about matters education in Africa. And so it's a very exciting time. I've been off air for quite a number of weeks and I'm glad to be back and I'm looking forward to catching up with all of us. Thank you very much, those of us who already um, on air. I can see a number of our listeners already on air. I can see one of our guests is already on air. I will be admitting him on later. But just to say, I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited that we can come together again and reflect on matters education. Sunday afternoon around the Africa's education fire, we will be looking at what are some of the top conversations going on about education around and about Africa. I hope to have three guests if they all succeed to come in to take us through what's going on in different parts of this continent, East Africa, West Africa, and Southern Africa. And hopefully we can get a little bit of a sense of what's going on in North Africa. I'm not so sure we'll be able to do that today, but hopefully we'll be able to catch up on that in subsequent shows this year. So thank you very much for coming on board. Remember, this is Teachers Talk Radio, and it's a space where we all join in as teachers, as educators, and we talk amongst ourselves. So you should be able to tune in and talk it out. Remember, for you to be able to call in and talk it out, you must have your headphones. Because if you don't have your headphones, then we'll have interference from you know your surrounding and therefore we'll not be able to hear you clearly. But don't worry if you do not have your headphones. Remember, we have the chat uh, system. So you can be able to send in your chat and we'll be able to pick it up and talk about it. So don't worry if you don't have your headphone, please let's use the chat. And as we start the session, it would be nice to know who is in the house already, who is already joining us. I can see quite a number of our teachers from Rwanda already here, my faithful followers from our own Rwanda. Of course, I am sitting right within the heart of the land of a thousand hills, Kigali. That's where I am joining us from. And so I am excited to see a number of our teachers from Rwanda already in the house. And as I said, we already have one of our guests uh, today already in the house, and I will be inviting him very soon to call in. But before we do that, please just let me know if you're here, which country you're tuning in from. Of course, if you're from Rwanda, let me know too, because it's nice to know that you are right here with me, ready for us to have a conversation and just find out what's going on. What are some of the conversations, really uh, top conversation 
on education around the continent. So this is going to be an interesting um, show because we're just going to sit back and reflect on what's going on. But before we start with 2022, I think I want to just take a few minutes to think about 2021. It was an amazing year, the year that I I would say I stepped out as Africa's own education doctor and education evangelist. And of course, one of my key activities in 2021 was joining Teacher Stock Radio to be able to host this show. And I think we had amazing conversations. I think we had guests from around 13 African countries joining in different conversations every Sunday afternoon and talking about pertinent issues affecting our teachers and taking um, affecting education in the continent. I remember we started our first show with a guest from Ghana and we were reflecting on issues of ICT integration. Are we getting it right or are we not getting it right? And subsequently, we also had other conversations related to that, for example, textbook, ICT, where should we put our coin or how should we divide our coins to take care of the ICT integration that you are all craving for and stepping out to, but also how do we or what should we do about issues like textbook? And we had other interesting conversations, of course. I remember one of the greatest highlights was that on mental health of teachers, mental health of teachers. And we were joined by a guest from South Africa who shared some insightful feedback. Of course, out of the survey we did, we saw that as Africa's teachers, we are fairly happy, but we have quite, I mean, we were able to demonstrate that, yes, we get stressed often. And one of the things that we talked about was how important it is as teachers to stop and think about ourselves, that we tend to take care of everybody and just forget one person, and that is you as a teacher. So as we start this year, 2022, one of the things that I'll be amplifying, talking about in all our shows is just to remind us as teachers, it is important to stop and think about our well-being. And we were told that this doesn't have to be an expensive activity. It's just about sitting and reflecting and ensuring that we enjoy the things that we need to do, for example, when we are eating, whatever it is we are eating, we need to be able to sit down and enjoy that meal. We should not be eating all the time, you know, in a hurry or not even investing in our mind in that activity of eating, but also simple activities, physical activities that would really boost our well-being. So as teachers, as we start 2022, one of the things I want to put out there, let's commit to take care of ourselves, even as we take care of others. So that's something that I want to amplify. And of course, there are other conversations. There are some other conversations. And if you're here and you have, uh, this is not your first time being in this show. If you were faithful listener last year, I would like you to perhaps just type and tell me what is that one show that you still remember? What is that one show that, I mean, conversation that we had on this platform that you still remember, that you're still reflecting on, or that you are actually drawing on to make you a better educator or a better teacher? So if you have been on this show before, please, I would like to know what is that one show or conversation that has remained ringing true in your mind in your internal years? I'll be looking at your text and uh, I will be actually picking up on that. So I can see that, yes, indeed, a number of the teachers who are on board are from Rwanda, a number of them actually telling me which districts they are from. I can see a few others outside 
Africa, Rwanda, please let me know where you're joining us from, TSCW. It would be nice to know where you're joining us from. Miss Sorsha, welcome on board. Of course, if you are live on Teacher's Talk Radio on Sunday afternoon, you know you are hanging out with Africa's own education doctor and education evangelist. And we are preparing, we're just warming up for a show that is going to be fairly interesting our my first show this year and we will be going round and about africa finding out what are some of the conversations that are going on currently and i've just been reminded that i need to share the link with some of the people who'd like to join so i am going to um just uh, i'll be just at this particular point i'm going to be sharing the link with some of the guys who really wanted to join into this show and be part of the conversation so um if you see me posing for a second, it's just because I am trying to um, multitask here uh, to send links to people who are waiting, knocking at the door, and perhaps they cannot join without the link. Please remember that as we continue this conversation, yes, you should be able to send in your, your comments here. But remember, we also have the um, the Twitter handle for Teachers Talk Radio, TT Radio 2022 last year we were saying 2021 this year of course because we're in 2022 we are talking about 2022 so tt radio 2022 on twitter feel free to air your comments or your reflections from conversations from today and feel free to tag me uh dr tiano m on twitter so please let's be ready i hope you're sitting comfortable you are ready perhaps you have that drink that you want to be sipping on throughout this show, but most importantly, you're ready to participate in the conversation. So I'm waiting to see last year, if you joined any of the Sunday afternoon shows on Teacher's Talk Radio, what are some of the conversations that you partook of that you found really interesting? Conversations that perhaps you still remember up to now, or as a teacher, you are actually drawing on as you continue to work towards being a better teacher. I can see, yes, we have somebody from UK joining us. Thank you for joining us from Yorkshire, UK. That's really interesting. I was at Sheffield Harlem University, so Yorkshire is quite close to me. So thank you for joining. I have a sense of connection with that. Thank you for joining. And I would like to hear, I'm still waiting to hear what happened last year. Is there anything we are remembering from the conversations that we had last year. It would be interesting to find out what still remains ringing true in your mind, in your heart, and things that you are still thinking about and drawing from. I'm waiting to see. Thank you for joining us. And yes, I'm very happy to see all of us. So I am going to ask our first guest to call in. He is already in the house. He needs to step up and take Sit, take the hot seat of the day. And uh, so I'm going to ask again, um, I need to ask you how to pronounce your name, but anyway, you are the only guest in the room. So please call in and uh, so that I can admit you um, as our first guest of the day. Thank you very much. Our guests already called in and ready to participate. So before I butcher your name on air, so I am going to First of all, allow you to introduce yourself so that all of us can get you to pronounce your name right. So over to you. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Herin Otieno. I'm glad to be here and, um, and and I'm glad to be speaking from the power of Africa. Mm -hmm. The land, the, the land of a thousand hills, just just yes. just across the border. 
border uh, of Uganda, but yes. um, I'm now from the part of Africa, which is Uganda, and I'm happy to be here. My name, Rujendo. Okay, so let's say that first one well, because I think that's the one I'm going to be safe with. So I want you to repeat it slowly for me so that I can be able to pronounce it very well. I think... I th okay, let's start with the first one. Rugiendo. Rugiendo. Is that right? Uh -huh. Hello. Yeah, I'm losing you a little bit. Yes. Which is? So. Yes. I think your internet is failing us a little bit, but um, you're back on air. I hope you can hear me. Yes, you want the first name? So you're you saying the now? family one. Go for it. Which one? Yeah, thank you. The family one. That's Rugendo. 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 So I will use I'll use Rugendo. Thank you very much. I know I'm not saying it perfectly, but that's the beauty of of Africa. It's a melting point of different it, cultures, and one of the things that one has to come up to speed with is getting a sense of the name. So as we go by, we will be perfecting that. But I just want to say something before you go on. You won't believe it, as you say. And Hills is just across the pearl of Africa, Uganda, where you are sitting from. And I know this week your president with your tourism board launched an ambitious um, tourism kind of, um, what do you say, campaign. And I was just yes. saying that. But the thing I want to say that is very interesting for me is that I say that last year I was able, we were able to host around 13 I mean, guests from at least 13 African countries. And it's so interesting that I was not able to catch somebody from Uganda. So this is actually very, um, uh, I mean, this is actually very important for us, for me and for us as a show, because we're sitting in East Africa. We've had somebody, <laughs> we've had a number of people from Kenya. We've had a number of people from Rwanda. We've had a number of people from Tanzania. I have had conversations and played input and participation from somebody from um, Ethiopia. But for some reason, it was just too elusive. And it's not that I didn't try. I couldn't catch somebody from Uganda. But I can see Uganda wanted to step into this show in style. You wanted to come in right <laughs> at the beginning of the year to set the pace and anyway, yes. to come with a great announcement of finally our schools are opened. <laughs> we have made history. We have had the longest yes. school closure across the globe. And so we are excited to have you, Mr. Regenda, and we're looking forward for to conversations around what's going on in Uganda right now. You are a big talk topic for conversation on education around the world. I was looking at Washington Post, New York Times, Al Jazeera, BBC. This last week, there's been something about Uganda. Uganda has finally opened school after one of the world's longest school closures. So we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to having conversations around that. So thank you very much for joining. Let me just acknowledge the presence of a number of people already here. Of course, we have... Um, 
quite a number of people joining in um, uh, uh, from Rwanda and from within Africa, but I can also see a number of people joining in from UK. I can see Miss Sosha, thank you for coming in and actually making a comment and you're saying, hi, I'm listening from London, UK. You're new to TTR and teaching. This is your first year, but I really enjoyed um, my colleagues, Khalil, who came in just uh, before uh, this show and please look out for all the past shows remember in teachers talk radio as soon as we finish with the shows they are actually uh, posted on the website and so you can listen back so miss sosha is saying she had her first session of listening to ttr radio in the show that just ended before mine by my colleague khalil on pastoral care cpd sessions and she enjoyed it so much she has decided to hang on and listen to the next show so thank you miss uh, miss sosha for joining and i know i might not be pronouncing your name well but please um bear with me i hope you're going to have a great time also in this show which is all about africa's education matters if it is sunday afternoon after khalil it is africa's own education doctor that is dr herin talking about education matters africa and so welcome on board everybody all of us i can see some of us are repeat listeners and i'm still asking that very important question for those of us who have been listening to the sunday afternoon show i would like you to share with us on the text one thing that you remember from a past show something we talked about that you're still thinking about or something that really struck you when you when i mean when you were having the conversation it would be nice to just look back and pick out some of those nuggets from last year and make sure we do not lose our sight of them so i'm waiting to hear uh, from other people and if you're not from rwanda if you're not from the uk if you're from uganda if you're from sierra leone if you're from um Kenya, please let me know you are in the house and any other African country, please let me know that you're in the house. So yes, yeah, so we're here today to talk about top conversations uh, on education in Africa. In the first 30 minutes or 40 minutes, we want to talk about what's going on in East Africa. And when we think about Eastern Africa, we're talking about four to five countries, Kenya, Uganda, Burundi, Rwanda, Tanzania, and we are soon admitting um, we're soon admitting DRC, so we might soon be six. But we have a special focus conversation. I was looking at Kenya, for example. There's a lot going on in Kenya. And if you're from Kenya, I would like you to just type in and tell us what's, what's, what's a big trending conversation in Kenya. Kenya, there's so much going on. There's so much going on because um, like many African countries, we are at the point where we are implementing, um, the I mean, Kenya is implementing the competency-based curriculum. And there's a lot of conversation around that. But anyway, one of the the conversation points I picked out this week that was fairly alive in many of our platforms, many of the platforms from Kenya was, at this point, there's a lot of consideration. This year, for example, Kenya is going to have almost five, four examination classes. Much we have end of secondary school, KCSE, students will be doing KCSE, and students will be doing KCPE. That is the end of primary school. And in December, another group will be doing end of secondary school, KCSE and KCP. So there are four main national exams that are supposed to be going on this year. And of course, again, this is an election year. But the thing that I think really caught my attention, and it is something we'll be discussing in another show, is that Kenya is at this point negotiating the fact that next year, they may be having um, the last, the first team of um, 
competency-based curriculum actually at the end of this year competency-based curriculum those who are ending um, which ends at six years sixth year in primary school and then they're supposed to go to junior secondary school now this is the first time Kenya will be having what is considered as junior secondary school in the former education system we <clears throat> we had students going on up to class eight then they jump into secondary school for four years and then go to university in the new curriculum we have um, people coming in um, coming i mean students finishing in grade six then they're supposed to go to senior one or secondary one in junior secondary school now there's a lot of conversation about how will junior secondary schools look like where will they be situated are, are we going to have junior secondary school um being run within the primary school are we going to uh, is kenya going to have junior secondary school uh being run within um the usual standard secondary schools where are the buildings what's going to happen are these children too young to be within a school population where they are older students so that's one of the big conversations that's going on but the good thing is it's not new to africa i know rwanda has what could be considered as junior secondary school because they have students finishing primary school in grade six and going to senior one ghana and all that so i hope there's going to be some cross-pollination of ideas but we don't want to focus too much uh, um, on Kenya. Tanzania, there's a lot going on. One of the things that's being celebrated is a new policy that allows all the girls that had fallen out of school because of school pregnancies going back to school. Because before, in an earlier policy, they had been stopped from going back to school. So that's a big thing in Tanzania as the year began. Ethiopia is coming in at a very interesting time. Remember, towards the end of the year, we had a situation where, of course, this, the, the, this, this, the country had some challenges. And at some point, students had to stop going to school to support their war. But uh, I think one of the things that I saw in the current news is schools are back. Everybody's back to school. But... There are students who missed out on the last national examination. And so the government is currently organizing to give them special exams because they missed out due to the war. So quite a bit of activity going on in East Africa. Of course, Rwanda, we are excited that we have opened school. Everything seems to be running smoothly. And um, yeah, so the main attraction point in East Africa, the one that is making East Africa trend across the con i mean the globe right now is uganda we have made history and we are here to learn from history and so we are excited to have mr rujendo with us and mr rujendo is going to tell us a little bit about his profession what does he do every day and then we are going to dive right in to ask to find out what's the mood in the country so mr rujendo over to you uh tell us a little bit about yourself and then just dive in and tell us yes you're making global news your headline i mean everybody's talking about uganda what's the temperature like oh thank you very much it's schools. very correct yes thank you very much it's very correct uh we are make, we've made history not as the only country that has had the longest uh, school closure mm -hmm. in the world but mm -hmm. one of them actually i think i have read there quite a number but i think uganda's situation was uh, much more intense compared to the other countries. Um, of course, uh, first of all, I think it's important I uh, introduce myself again. Mm -hmm. uh, my name is Aroni Itwe Rujendo. 
actually you're pronouncing it very perfectly. I'm very excited about oh. it. Um, I'm proud of myself. I am a journalist, apparently. <laughs> I'm not a teacher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a journalist, but uh, a proud son, a proud son of a primary school teacher. So I have grown up mm -hmm. around education systems. I, I, I've grown up around teachers. I've gone through hands and so many able hands of so many teachers. So I understand the situation of a teacher on the African continent, particularly in Uganda. And uh, but I went on to study journalism. And uh, but currently, what I'm doing, apart from my journalism work, uh, I. I I have I I run a program, uh, a STEM program. STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math, uh, and that's mm -hmm. STEM education program. Uh, we use a Lego and robotics curriculum to try to enhance uh, Ugandan curriculum to be more practical, to be more competence-based, mm -hmm. to be more mm -hmm. uh, 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 orienting towards uh, appreciation of science and technology uh, concepts. Yes. And that's what we do. And we, with this program, we, 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 we really use it to, to enhance, the, especially the primary school curriculum and the lower mm -hmm. secondary curriculum, where we, we, we engage children in a practical Mm -hmm. uh, implementation of science and technology skills using a, a Lego curriculum and also robotics curriculum. That's what we are doing in, in partnership with schools. So I definitely, I may not be a teacher, but probably an educationist. Yes, in that you sense. are. You are. So, by uh, birth, first of all. <laughs> by birth and then by association, as yes. well as by, by investment. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You are working the talk. Yeah. Yes, I'm walking the talk. Why? Because I, of course, I am like you and others, very concerned about where Africa is going because we have been emphasizing a type of education that that, that is oriented towards scrum work, uh, towards theory, and, uh, and, and many other concepts that are not relevant to our own situation here. So, I get very concerned every day. I wake up and look at how we are teaching our children, the future generation of this continent, and I get very concerned. So I think maybe along the way, I should be able to make a contribution or even learn. So I'm here to learn and also probably uh, give insights of what is happening in my own country here in Uganda. We opened, the president, the Ugandan president announced the reopening of schools Mm -hmm. uh, just about one and a half weeks ago, or two, almost two weeks back, I think. And, uh, of course, there was huge excitement. Mm -hmm. The only challenge that it came a little bit unexpectedly, and so there were so many challenges in terms of uh, resources, in terms of uh, uh, preparation. You know, Schools were mm -hmm. very unprepared, and... Uh, most of them really had been abandoned. Some schools had infrastructure had really collapsed. Uh, in some cases, we, you, 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 schools had been turned into different things, hotels, and you know, especially private schools. And uh, and yes, then of course yes. because, that happened in Kenya uh, the lockdown too. and and the government prioritizing government mm -hmm. prioritizing uh, different other sectors. So we 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 had a challenge of. Uh, 
to revamp almost everything. So most schools were not prepared. Some had not cleaned up. Some, some had, uh, you know, really not put back systems. So there was a lot of chaos at the start of this school. But ultimately, excitement mm -hmm. because parents were relieved. Children were also relieved. And like any other African country mm -hmm. that has had the, the bad side of... Uh, of the effect of the coronavirus, we had um, mm -hmm. quite a number, a, a number of um, young uh, mothers, you know, school-going uh, girl ch mm -hmm. children that, that that had gotten pregnant. However, the government was able to say uh, to announce and give a directive that uh, no no school girl should be denied an education on account of uh, her pregnancy, and they directed that. Uh, schools must put in place measures that protect the girl child through their problem that they got pregnant, but mm -hmm. they must get an education. So that's the mix that we are in. And uh, I think we are in the second, towards the third week now of school. So I think there's some bit of, of stabilization now. And, uh, and stabilization. Is going on. Yes. Yeah. So do you yes. think, uh, I mean, yes. I'm just look. I'm currently, as you're speaking, I'm just looking at... Um, at um, an image that was shared on WhatsApp. Of course, I, I, I am not sure how, uh, I hope it's not fake news, but anyway, the image was of a student in a classroom uh, sitting on breast, a desk and, yes, and uh, the student was alone. And it says yes. the students is oh. alone in a class after reporting back to school on day one of reopening. So was this a reality that happened in some of our schools? And in your in your opinion, from what you're hearing, how has there been significant improvement so that classrooms, if this was the case, um, uh, students reporting back to classrooms like this one? What what what's going on? Actually, actually, that's a very correct picture. It's, it's taken from Uganda. It's, it was uh, it was published by one of the uh, the uh, one of mm -hmm. the, the influential newspapers here called uh, the Daily Monitor. I think, yeah, they, it, I think it's part of Western Uganda somewhere. Um, students pupils had not turned up in that particular mm -hmm. school, especially the very classroom. So at the time, I think the journalist made the coverage. Uh, kids had not come back mm -hmm. to, to school mm -hmm. because of the, again, the long wait. Many of your children really gave up. The ones who probably had become teenagers had joined some other uh, careers, especially, you know, like skiing, you know, and uh, many, many really, mm -hmm. really could not go back, go back to school, uh, including even the teachers. Mm -hmm. Some of the teachers changed careers uh, along the way. So it's just, we are probably, I can mm -hmm. say we are in the recovery in the recovery mode and uh maybe mm -hmm. by the end of this term or the next one i think uh, the situation would have improved but it's a, it's a true it's a true story so and, uh, this was a true story yeah so absolutely and, and, and one can imagine two years is a long time if somebody was uh 16 years old they're 18 years old if they were 18 years mm -hmm. old they're 20 years old and knowing what happens in the yes. african uh sometimes in our african spaces people tend to uh, transition into the different levels of life quite fast so the, the question though is um just to try and get a sense of it we saw that in for example in kenya when uh when schools reopened after covid of course they also had a long break almost six to eight months uh we saw that at some point um there was there was effort by the, the by the the government you know actually there were there were news items of uh, the i think the minister in charge of uh, cabinet secretary i mean all cabinets and actually all ministers were um 
government ministers were mobilized out of their desks to go around communities and talk to community members and almost smoke out students from um, students that were expected to go back to school. I think chiefs were given the responsibility to work with the communities and ensure that all students who were age going, who had been in school before COVID, actually got their way back to school. Is there such an initiative to mobilize, to encourage, to persuade? Because again, people might just have changed course. What's going on in oh, yes. terms of mobilization or even encouraging yes. students to come back to school? Well, I think in the, the, the Ugandan case, it's not been um, that ruthless, if I can use the word, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. compared to Kenya. Uh, we've had mm -hmm. churches, we've had um, pronouncements. We, you, the president usually occasionally goes on TV and uh, talks about mm -hmm. some of the things. Uh, but really, that deliberate uh, effort to really, really, like, kind of forcefully mobilize has not happened. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the idea is that the parents are expected to be as responsible as possible. But you remember, uh, while we were in lockdown, also, the economy mm -hmm. was literally shut down. In fact, as I speak yes. right now, I think the, the announcement is likely to be, I think, tomorrow. Tomorrow is when we expect a full, a full um, a, a reopening of the economy. And, uh, and, and so definitely, most parents were not earning. Most parents uh, really were in a precarious situation. And mm -hmm. so moved on, and, uh, as well as some teachers. And so that's the, the challenge that, we, that the country is facing. There's not that deliberate... Uh, uh, effort to mm -hmm. really, really smoke out, smoke out even kids who are who've been school because largely, you know, much of the education system in Uganda is private. You know, private players really, really are uh, supersede mm -hmm. <laughs> public schools. So it's so mm -hmm. difficult for the for the government to just start moving around, uh, forcing private schools to take a, a different direction. Some of them even had given up, like I've said, and turned their infrastructure into something else so yes, I, yes. It's, it's just that you know simple announcements on radio and that's what we're seeing and and, and, and hopefully uh, it will just yeah so there, there might be um, get back to normal an, yeah there might be a leaf there too and, and i think you know uganda i mean is in perhaps in a very um advantage position because for many countries in Africa or across the world at the, at the onset of the pandemic, the pandemic almost reset the whole education system, really. Uh, nobody yes. knew what to do. Nobody knew how do we teach in this kind of environment? How do we, you know, engage in that case where those of, I mean, the attempts at remote, when students come back and now they have to come back, you know, how do we even catch up with them? But I think perhaps Uganda in being one of amongst the last countries that are reopening schools, uh, I guess one would say they are quote unquote advantage in one way because perhaps if um, there is opportunity for them to learn and to and and to leapfrog certain things. I mean, there are things that perhaps they don't have to reinvent again. There are holes that yes. some countries may have fallen into because uh, we were. I mean, countries were almost groping in the dark. There wasn't any point. I mean, much point of reference. But having been home, if they have been taking notes <laughs> about what's going on in different countries, it was expected that perhaps as a country, maybe you should have been the the kind. I mean, the country that had the smoothest. <laughs> Quote unquote, of course, with your very unique challenges, given the, the time that you stayed home, but some perhaps more well thought out strategies because there would be, the, we expect that they would have 
stretch their necks or crane their necks and check what's going on in Kenya. How do they work out certain things? And what about uh, Rwanda? And what about Tanzania? Therefore, we as Uganda, these are some of the things that we need to put in place. But it almost sounds like, do you feel as a journalist or as a, as a stakeholder, do you feel that uh, there has been enough opportunity or there's evidence of uh, lessons um, that the country, efforts that the country made to perhaps learn lessons from the neighboring countries and actually uh, build on that in Uganda? Absolutely. There's been uh, quite some chance, uh, you know, to, to learn, to learn from the rest. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. because because when uh, the country locked down, um, you know, they, 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 they tried a little bit to, to they, they, they tried to, um, to, 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 to you know, to use a bit of bit of uh, online learning uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. materials, to then, that direction. but 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 you know, because everybody went that direction. Uh, here it was a bit difficult because mm -hmm. the internet coverage is not that very, 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 very widespread. Then they did the radio method method, and uh, mm -hmm. but radios also could not could not could not be so much be so much effective. Then there was a TV method as students were studying from home. However, the government tried its level best to. To, to come up with home learning materials, uh, mm -hmm. which yes, were largely self-taught. Yes, 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 yes. Mainly, well, you know, self-taught and, uh, and, 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 you know, you need to keep the students busy. But I, I, I think I can agree with you because um, at, at the end of the day, the, the country has been able to, to, to know what works best in its own circumstances and what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and at the time of reopening, it's basically, you know, you know, the, the, the old style of doing things. This is what is happening because I don't see anything new that is happening about that is different from what was happening pre-COVID, mm -hmm. uh, except except uh, that uh, there's a, a deliberate effort to to fast track uh, children, you know, and um, remedial. Uh, uh, um, material to be able to fast track them to the next level. That's what is what is basically happening. And uh, apart from that, it's just it's just the, the, the old, old way of doing things. Yeah. And uh, probably, the, the, probably the I mean the pre-COVID mm -hmm. time, uh, the, the way the, the pedagogy, the, 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 the system that the, the schools were using to teach the children are still the same. There's nothing that has really changed. Probably, probably maybe at the university level, where most universities really were, were, had been able to to innovate online systems mm -hmm. uh, for examination, for self-teaching, for coursework, mm -hmm. for, mm -hmm. for even uh, invigilation. That at the level of university has been very successful. The problem has, yeah. uh, the problem has been at the primary and secondary school levels. Of course, because the infrastructural realities, the resourcing realities are totally different yes. at, at those yes. levels. Um, there are so many uh, variables when you think about uh, primary school, the different contexts and all that. But And, and I think yes. I want us to come back to that. But for those of us who are listening, of course, you are, we are listening to our guests um, and just walk us through what is going on in Uganda as they open schools after two years and what has been the experience. It's just a second week, so I believe that there will be more for us to unearth as we go by. And I think I want to commit that as a show. We really want to 
keep track of what's going on in Uganda, not just necessarily to find out what's going on, but I believe that through this, hopefully we can create platforms for sharing ideas. And on that note, I mean, most of the people here who are listening are teachers. You know what it felt like to go back to school after the long school closures, the pandemic, some of the challenges that you faced. And and as fatal would have it, unfortunately, I think, you know, one would, I mean, it would have been a different story if, you know, uh, Uganda was opening and, you know, COVID was no more. So it's like, yes, we are opening, COVID is no more. So we're just dusting ourselves up and trying to find ways of reconnecting with where we were before. But unfortunately, COVID is still here with us. Even actually, right now we have the Omicron uh, variant and it has created quite some havoc in other parts of the world. I think as Africa, we still look like we have been lucky because when you look at the data coming out from regions like the US, the UK, there's been quite a bit of a conversation of school closures, teachers falling ill, other parts, uh, I mean, other members of the school community falling ill and almost schools coming to a gridlock. There's uh, areas that are already, or if, if they're already thinking about or already in the case of are we going back to remote teaching? So in essence, what I'm saying is that it's not like things are okay. Students can come in and just run around and do stuff. Uh, I mean, I would be wanting to hear um, from Mr. Rubiendo, but I want to assume that they still have to come with their masks. There's still some precaution. I know that. So um, that is the same kind of feeling the teachers had, whether it was in Kenya, Ghana, um, South Africa, Rwanda, when they had to go back to school after school closure. I think in Africa, if my my statistics is right, some of the first two countries to go back to school uh, was the likes of Ghana, uh, Cameroon, and maybe South Africa. So I want to challenge those of us who are listening from other parts of um, the continent and, of course, other parts of the world. Uh, remember, Mr. Rigendo said here he is a journalist. So he is, of course, as he said, a proud son of a primary school teacher. I salute your mom. Um, I mean, it's just something that teachers, I mean, there's something they're cultivating us. I mean, I am also a daughter of a primary school teacher, retired, but still teaching. And it's like, they just rub this thing on us. Um, when I was living, living high school, I didn't think I was going to teach. I actually didn't apply for teaching. But there's a way my mom told me, you know, you'll, you'll go around, but you'll still come back to education. So I think um, that's a reality. And I would say that um, Mr. Rogendo here is also a journalist, but an educationist at heart. So what I was going to say is that those of us who are listening, I can see so many teachers. If you were to meet a Ugandan teacher today and you met them on the road, they are walking to school, or you were to meet a Ugandan head teacher today, walking to school, they've just opened school. Um, it's only two weeks. Remember, the students have been home for two years. Remember, there's still COVID, so it's expected that uh, teachers have to still take some precaution, but they're still expected to teach. So if you were to advise them based on your experience, what is that one most important advice you'd share with your fellow teachers and educators in Uganda? Because, and so if you have any form of advice based on your experience as you went to teach your maths or your English, whatever it is that you teach, something that you think this is very important, the teachers need to pay attention to this or think about this. How is it, for example, that they have to teach in classrooms where students are putting on masks, for example, or where students' interaction is now limited? It's not like the then days before COVID. How do you make things work? 
um so please text in some text in some um some points of advice i will be reading them aloud and hopefully um uh, mr rugendo will also be taking notes you never know from here he might just pin pen down an article that might go out <laughs> and might act as a resource to the other teachers i mean that's really oh, the spirit uh, of this uh, show it's about Absolutely. sharing ideas, best practices, um, and the challenges that we face because we face the same situation. You talked about, for example, um, the students in Uganda, uh, you know, um, you tried radio, internet, TV, but it, they were not as effective because, for example, online internet is a challenge. It's the same, in, it's the same across a number of countries. I mean, uh, all those, th those interventions were tried with certain levels of success. So... I mean, it's important that we learn from one another. You shouldn't have headaches over things that other teachers have figured out. So if you're from Africa, if you're from UK, what is the one word of advice or sentence of advice that you would pass on to your fellow teachers and educators in Uganda? Please type in. I would like to see some feedback coming in and we'll be reading out some of that. And of course, I believe uh, we are talking to the right person that can be the ear of the other teachers. Now, Let's come back to students have been home for two years. And um, I think you've just mentioned that one of the key, um, perhaps, policy um, um, interventions has been acceleration um, of the students. Yes. I, if I read yes. it right, and, and you, you need to confirm to me, um, I think I read somewhere where it was saying that students were to go one class like if you're in, let's say, if I use grades, if you're in grade seven, if if you open school today, you are going to grade eight. Is that is grade nine? Correct. What's going on? Yes, I think um, okay, I think what you call grade nine is secondary school, right? Uh, yes. So that would be like Kenya, the Kenyan system. Actually, forget about grade. So let's talk about secondary year two. Uh, yes, if you are in say. one you would go to second year two mm -hmm. but uh, if you're in uh, primary seven which is now the, the, the very last mm -hmm. stage of the primary school uh, um, system there uh, you know you, they, they, they do they, they, you, you would not have to cross to secondary two no you have to go to second one so that's what has happened that, but the other, in the other stages the other classes it was really really automatic promotion uh, after having you know sat uh, you know some remedial exams that is that's what they did and then, then they were able to 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 to, to move them to, to the next stage that's what has so happened they already did uh, exams in the first and, week uh, and, uh, yes I, yes i need to cross check again but that was the policy and uh and uh, that is what exactly is supposed to happen uh once they're in the mm -hmm. first week sorry in the first term they're supposed to do you know the the the, the country the, the the ministry was able to to, to arrange a, 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 a sort of summarized part of the curriculum for, to be able to 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 fast track them in the first month of the of the of the new year and uh, and and after mm -hmm. that then that means then they will catch up with the with the with the with the, the, the curriculum for that particular stage where they have they've been uh, promoted to so it's more or less like a back and forth sort of a fast tracking system that, that makes sure that you know you know launches them into the new stage into the new 
uh, uh, what do you call it curriculum i think that's what you call it and 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 that's what is happening now and so it's like automatic promotion kind of like <laughs> you jump from one class level what to the next what we've been told is that um, in the first one month of the new class so what is you you you'd now you'd now have to you you'd have to work backwards you know trying to catch up mm -hmm. with what you might have covered in the year that you lost and then you proceed mm -hmm. uh that is why particularly this first term in uganda is going to be probably the longest it's going to last about four months plus so that's the reason mm -hmm. that's the reason they're doing that and eventually and they will have a very short holiday weeks mm -hmm. to be able to come back and, and and catch up with the catch up with the curriculum so it's more or less like a fast tracking it's possibly well, probably one of the unique unique one of the, the most unique uh, uh, systems that is being deployed here to, to make sure they cover everything mm -hmm. in a very uh, fast tracked way so that then they're able to catch up probably with the rest of the of the region and the, and, and the world so that's that is what is happening that's what is happening Okay, that's very interesting, and I'm just listening to that, and I'm here. I'm hearing like it is, um, um, it is, um, it's a mix of so many countries' uh, interventions, yes. Um, yes. because I think on the one hand we had Ghana that decided to do away with trimesters and introduce semesters where students were supposed to now instead of doing three months they were supposed to do six months i yes. know even 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 rwanda in the first semester i mean when they came back the semester was rather long um but on the other hand i, I think the difference is in rwanda for example uh the students repeated the year yes. that they had lost yes so um so we had uh, we had we had actually like people spending quote unquote one extra year but in this case you're talking yes. about acceleration which is a little bit like what kenya tried to do because kenya yes. tried to shorten their school term so as we speak the reason why we were saying at the beginning that kenya is having two two examination like this year for example there are national examinations going on in march for end of primary and end of secondary and then in december they are also having end of primary and end of secondary it's all this very um crash program that the students yes. have been uh, have been put into and i think yes, one of the things yes. one would want to say here and if there was any kenyan listening and i hope there are some listening would be to say um uh of course there are there are there will all of course be obvious concerns there's a question here which one was a better model uh in this case rwanda for example said let's redo the year you know, let's just assume mm. the students were not in school, even though there was initiative for them to do online learning, there was initiative for them, I mean, there were radio programs, but because of the inequalities and the understanding that even with the online learning, the radio lessons, there were obvious challenges, they decided, let every student redo that first year, even though, um, of course, with some modifications. On the other hand, uh, Kenya said, come right in, you know, let's let's accelerate this 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 process. So I think you are, as I said, you are a very you are you are in a very unique situation to then yes. reach out and learn from all these people. I mean, what are some of the things? Absolutely. For example, we know that Kenya, um, one of the characteristic activities or realities that emerged in the last one year during this whole process was a lot of school unrest. 
Um, there was a lot of school unrest in the last six months, especially in secondary school, banning of schools, um, students literally walking out of schools and telling um, telling a school administration, some of them, that will tell you when we are ready to come back to school. And somehow that has sometimes been linked to the levels of pressure that the students found themselves in. Uh, of course, the sense of freedom that some of the students had and now they are coming back to school where things were a little more tight. No, I'm just saying this allowed that these are some of the things that as a country, in as, as a country, uh, there's opportunity for you, for Uganda to reach out, see and say, okay, we are still going to go this direction, but what might we do differently to ensure potentially mm. this kind of unrest or this kind of pressure, because those pressures sometimes are indication of course of levels of mental health situations with the students. You can imagine you've been home for two years, perhaps there was no learning going on. You could easily have forgotten, I mean, your handwritings. It would be interesting to try and check students' handwriting two years before they left school and years two years later you know obviously there's a lot of psychological realities linked to this and um, different students will obviously take it up differently right now i think what's coming out out of the covid situation is the home environment is going to be the game changer what can happen at home in terms of the cultural capital the students or the children come with from home um is going to be perhaps what's going to determine what what any student gets out of this. But at the end of the day, there are lessons out there for Uganda. And I think it will be interesting to see um, which ones you pick along and how maybe you yes. make a better case of it than other countries that came before you. So I think you're not in a bad situation. I mean, what I'm saying is that um, you're in a unique situation of learning. And I think it, yes. it also presents a challenge for us as a continent. Have we put in place the infrastructure for learning? What opportunity exists for the teachers in Uganda to learn from fellow teachers informally or formally? And on that note, I think I just want to pause and pick uh, some of the comments. I'm still waiting for more pieces of advice. Teachers, teachers in the house, please let me know what are some of the lessons you want to pass on to your fellow Ugandan teachers. But uh, I can see um, one, of the, one of the teachers from Rwanda is just saying the first thing is health first. So uh, in the midst of trying to, you know, achieve all these things, uh, this uh, Mushio from Rwanda says, I uh, would like to advise teachers of Uganda to observe health guidelines for themselves as well as for the students. Um, um, and, and then, of course, he says, uh, being out, actually spending two years without meeting, it means that there's attendance, um, attendance, to look into for teachers and students. And I think, however, uh, of course, health first, I think the only unique situation or advantage that I believe the Ugandan teachers are coming back with back to school is that in other countries, by the time they were going back to school, vaccination had really not caught up. Teachers were not vaccinated. Students were not vaccinated. But right now, I think you are advantage that your teachers Perhaps some of your students who are old enough are coming back to school having been vaccinated. So I think that's a plus. That's a real plus uh, for your teachers. But yeah, that's, that said, uh, we know that vaccination does not mean you can't catch COVID. So health, looking at how do we still teach and observe 
health guidelines. I think that's 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 the that's the big conversation. You know, in other countries when they started, even marking books was a problem. I remember talking to teachers from South Africa when they started. There were no, you know, they had to think through how to mark books because they were trying to reduce contact. Um, that's not really the case anymore. But health guidelines is a key thing. There will need to be some critical conversations, for example. I know you talked about competency-based curriculum. We are always talking about collaboration among students. If uh, the situation is such that, you know, COVID is still such a challenge, um, how do we teach and allow for collaboration and still observe health guidelines? How do we mark and then interact with students and still observe health guidelines? Because Again, one of the things that a number of countries suffered, I know Kenya, for example, many teachers passed away. Many teachers passed mm -hmm. on. So it's not something that we want to sweep under the carpet and just say, you know, just go back in and teach. Taking care of health, health precautions is an important thing, but then it has new demands on pedagogical practices. I always, mm -hmm. I always challenge the teachers, you're going to class with, um, with a mask, and I remember it was such a challenge. Uh, I remember teachers writing to us and saying, you know, being in class for one hour with a mask or, a, you know, you are masked and you're trying to teach. How do you do that? And then I, I tell my teachers, for example, you need to learn how to smile with your eyes. Because before we would say, make sure you smile so that you create that sense of connection with your students. But if you're going to have masks on, well, that smile might not be visible. So, but you make, need to make sure that students can see it in your eyes that you're actually smiling because the emotional reality is also a big thing that we have to talk about here. We have to think about. Students are coming back having gone through such a difficult time. Some of them may have lost members of the family because of this, uh, uh, because of this pandemic. And they're coming back with all that. Teachers also. So there's quite a bit going on in schools currently. It's not, as you say, it cannot be, as you say, business as usual. But I think there's a, a lot more to, to hear and to see how things pan out as uh, Uganda beats its own path because every country has to beat its unique path. There are obvious uh, realities there. Student, uh, um, as you said, teaching students being in school for four months are the... Uh, are the are the timetables the same as 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 teachers? I mean, are teachers having to teach for the same length of hours in 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 a day? Are there is that also being looked into? Maybe because of trying to deal with crowding in school, or is it just that I'm going to allow somebody who wants to? Oh, sorry, I've just seen somebody trying to call in, and I'm going to if you want to call in, please uh, please call in. I'm going to allow you to call. Um, to, to, to speak if you have a headphone. I'm still waiting for key advice to Uganda. What would you tell them to look out for? I can see um, somebody called Thali Thong. What country are you joining us from? Please let us know. And if you are not from Rwanda, and uh, because I already recognize all those who are from Rwanda, um, and you're from any other country, and you're not you have you have not just told us which country you are from, please feel free to type in and tell us where you're listening to ask from. Um, so Aaron, uh, Mr. Rubiendo, I'm going to ask you to just hold in there as I ask some of our other guests who are also here so that we try to hear what's going on also in other parts of the, um, 
of, of, of Africa, because today we wanted to just touch very briefly what's going on around the continent. So I know Mr. Ed Zai from South Africa is in the house. Mr. Ed Zai, if you're in the house and you can see where to call in, please uh, call in so that I can admit you. I know that Mr. Bemba um, from Sierra Leone should also be in the house. If you can see where to call in, please call in so that I can admit you and you can join and jump into the conversation and tell us a little bit of what's going on in different parts of the continent. As we wait for that, I'm going to um, play our, our, I mean, we're going to go into a news break and then we'll come back um, and have um, continue with the conversation. I hope this place has been a wave for so long, I hope um, everything is going to work out as... Whatever learning looks there like this go. year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In England, Unison has expressed concern that lateral flow tests are in short supply in schools. A survey of school support staff showed that many were unable to follow government guidelines and test twice a week. Unison Head of Education, Mike Short, said, Schools and nurseries up and down the country have been struggling with high absence rates, and a poor supply of tests only makes things worse. The government needs to look urgently at what is happening. Despite ministers' guarantees that there were no shortages of tests, the reality on the ground is that staff do not have enough. Given current high rates of infection, the decision to remove face masks in schools is reckless. It is vital that staff are provided with tests to try and minimise the risk of the virus spreading. Okay, so that's that was part of our news, and uh, I know that I didn't. I mean, um, and the advertisement for the day, but. Going back to our conversation, Mr. Rugendo, as we, okay, here comes Edzai from South Africa joining us. Um, but just as we, uh, as we close with, um, with, um, with, um, with, uh, with Uganda. So thinking about you as, um, 
as somebody who is actually invested in education, I know there is that yes. excitement that you have, you all have, that um, schools are, have, have uh, I mean, schools are open after two years. So generally, there is excitement, finally. But there are, there are things that you're fundamentally worried about as you, as you listen, as you observe, as you look back, even as you step into this new phase of learning, especially for basic education. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, one of the biggest worries that I have, I have, is, is is the is the is the the situation currently in Uganda, where we have um, a significant number of children and uh, students that have failed to go back to school. That is happening, mm-hmm. and uh, because because of the shocks within the economy, most the number of parents could not afford to send back send their children back to school uh, others have to be moved from different schools to other schools so this is this, this, that challenge I've really talked to a number of parents who whose children are still at home others uh, they decided to give up uh, and then many more have decided not to send their kids for this time as they as they try to to work around the clock and, uh, and find the money to be able to send them to school that has been the biggest challenge the, the, and, and the second one was um, the government had promised to to sort of support schools, especially the private schools, with um, with soft loans. They've talk, they managed to talk to, to the banks, but the 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 process is taking so long because, like I've said, uh, you know, our system here, most of the schools are, pri- are privately owned. So uh, and uh, and most of these uh, business people, let me call them, had. Um, had challenges, had their own challenges, and uh, opening, reopening of schools found them very much unprepared without enough logistical requirements mm-hmm. to be able to open. So we are having that challenge, and uh, and also because remember we have about 15 million children in a school, mm-hmm. and that is also presenting um, a, a logistical challenge on the side of the ministry of health as well as the, 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 the even the, the, the management of the different schools, how to maintain SOPs. The government managed to get almost, I think, 100% teachers vaccine, fully vaccinated to be able to be allowed back into school. That was the condition. And that has been, uh, has been uh, properly uh, followed. And like you said, of course, that doesn't doesn't guarantee that uh, that uh, somebody will not catch COVID. We've been a bit lucky as a country because um, mm-hmm. the president emphasized that life first, then the rest must come later, including education. Mm-hmm. So we do not we mm-hmm. do not have we don't have enough you know an, uh, you know an alarming number of uh, children that really have gone down because mm-hmm. of COVID. We've been very lucky as a country, mm-hmm. and uh, that is still the case. But Whatever is a nightmare for every parent is the scare, is the idea that, you know, one day you wake up and uh, the school is down with, 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 the, with the virus. And, uh, and, 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 and that would represent a challenge. Yeah, yeah. And even before the lockdown, actually, of the school. Part of the reasons, by the way, one of the reasons why there's, there was, there's been that tough uh, 
uh, implementation of the lockdown in schools was there's a time when um, I think last year, mm -hmm. uh, the first lockdown, there was this first wave. Um, mm -hmm. sc schools were allowed to open, and when they opened, uh, to spike. They, they, they opened at a time when they, they when another when there's a spike and, and there was a huge spike and the problem was that most most private schools private operators you know kept it a secret refused to inform government they, 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 and, 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 and it, it posed a very huge challenge and risk to many 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 other innocent children and uh, the government had to respond uh, with tough tougher measures and uh, before you open you must make sure that you 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 are adhering to the SOPs and uh, and all mm -hmm. that. What what yeah. the ministry has done was mm -hmm. um, because one testing is, is very very expensive, and it is also secondly it is a, has a logistical challenge as well. They have risked. They have said no uh, no child should mm -hmm. be vaccinated. You know, uh, the, the, except the teachers and the mm -hmm. other support staff. The only thing that they need to do is to ensure that uh, you know they have masks available and uh, and also sanitize and make sure they try as much as possible to social distance, which is of course difficult in a school environment. However, we 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 just hoping that uh, really nothing happens. But that is really really what is worrying many many parents, including ourselves. Yeah, I believe I believe this is a story that we must watch and see how things pan out. Absolutely. Of course, some of the teachers are. Uh, teachers and countries are saying, you know, we've been there, we've done that, you know. We were once yes. upon a time back in school when we're not so sure what's going to happen. And anyway, yes. I think there's that sense of hope because uh, many countries have found ways, especially in Africa, of making things work. And so I think there's that sense of hope. I think that the, the big pro the big thing, perhaps, take away that we really need to ask ourselves as a continent and think, yes. as you say, um, there's a sense of being unprepared. Yes. Uh, as you said, you know, schools were found unprepared. Yes. Uh, they ha perhaps there hasn't been um, thinking around how, because how do you teach in the times of Corona? I remember running series of training for our teachers here based on conversations we'd had with teachers in Ghana, but also based on just thinking through pedagogy and what teaching means. If we're going to teach in a space where interaction is limited and all these things, what are some of the pedagogical um, mm. implications? And I think it's a little sad, I must say this, as Africa's own education doctor and education evangelist, yes. it's a, a bit sad that two years down the line, there is a sense of being unprepared. Because I think we knew eventually we are going to open the school. I think we could have done better. And that's something we must say aloud and challenge one another to say, um, you know, we are not waking up to say, oops, we are opening school. Um, a little bit more should have been done, but there is still room to try and catch up, to think through things more critically. What does it mean to teach in this new environment? What are the social-emotional challenges that our teachers and students are coming with into class? What are the health challenges? How do we work collaboratively between the Ministry of Education and uh, the Ministry of Health, but also bringing in the other stakeholders? And how do we ensure we do not get ourselves where we, our fingers are burnt, like you say in the first case, when, um, a lot, I mean, when schools were allowed to open? So there's a lot more to have conversations on. We have just touched the surface. I'm still waiting for more people to send in their thoughts to, to Uganda. But I think as fellow teachers, as fellow educators, we want to first and foremost send our best of wishes to our teachers. I think they are the ones who are going to carry the weight. If it is syllabus that has to be cleared in a short period, it is the teacher who has to think through how to best do that. 
and ensure that some learning still takes place. And of course, they are working, we know, all under very challenging, stressful situations because it is a stressful time for everybody. So we want to send our very good wishes and thoughts to the Ugandan teachers, shout out to them, to tell them we are thinking about them, um, we believe they are going to make it for the sake of the Ugandan child, the African child. And of course, through this platform, we'll be looking towards sharing ideas and holding our hands together to ensure that we, we make something out of this. So on that note, I want to uh, recognize the presence of Edzai from South Africa, uh, who's joining us uh, from South Africa. Edzai, you come in, I believe you've been listening to the conversation, we've been reflecting um, um, on what's going on in Uganda, and it is uh, it is um, critical to note that you're coming from South Africa, and South Africa was one of the countries to first reopen schools. It was South Africa, Ghana. And I know Bemba is also in the house from Sierra Leone. So Bemba, if you're in the house and you can call in, please feel free to call in so that you can admit you in your hot seat as a guest. So Edzai, please jump right in. Say hello very briefly. Who are you? Why do you call yourself the math gay? And what's going on in South Africa? Are you all happy, excited, sleeping well and saying, we got this? Or are sure. there things that are making you lose sleep in a South Africa in terms of education? Sure. Thank you very much, Dr. Irene. I mean, uh, it's been uh, quite insightful, the the experiences of the Ugandan teachers. So my name is Zai Cornelius Trobo, and I'm based in uh, South Africa, Johannesburg. Uh, I'm in the education sector uh, through an NPO called the Education Support Forum and an education technology startup called MetsG. So we have, we have been supporting schools ever since uh, COVID hit. Uh, and mm -hmm. we've seen we've seen that uh, South Africa is two countries in one. You know, um, the mm -hmm. private schools uh, they manage to just seamlessly convert themselves into blended learning and online learning, uh, mm -hmm. and they, they they don't have a problem of resources. Um, but the public schools, the rural schools, they really they really struggle. Because they didn't have uh, the necessary resources, the necessary support, and this has been ongoing for the past two years. And now that the schools have reopened, so the mm -hmm. the private schools were quick to reopen as well because they managed to convince government that they had the capacity to be able to handle the health requirements required to to safeguard learners and teachers. And then government also uh, opened up schools. But you find that uh, it's not all rosy, especially on the government school side of things, because you find that they are doing uh, rotations, almost like hot sitting, where uh, kids, other, a, a cohort of kids comes on a Monday, then uh, another one on a Tuesday. So it's almost like two, three days uh, per week. So it means that there is still a lot of time being lost. Those days that they are not at school, there are no mechanisms whatsoever to support the the learning, you know, so it's it's been I difficult. Feel, I, I mean, sorry, let me just jump in there. I feel I feel as a person, and I said this earlier on that um, I think the challenge, that challenge of what's going on at home, what's going on when yes. kids are not in school, is a big challenge that has been presented to the whole world. And sometimes I kick myself. I just want to confess this loudly. You know, um, mm. my area of study was on self-regulated learning, and. Um, I think the more I think about this COVID situation, I just feel like, you know, the whole continent, and of course I know other 
like the UK really pulled out conversations around self-regulated learning. How yeah. do we foster and gender that? Because I think what COVID is showing us is that, you know, as you say, now in South Africa, we have, you know, you're saying now we're still having rotations. I thought you yeah. are well over these challenges now. You've got your thing right. You're two years down and you're just, you know, having a breeze. But it looks like that's not the case. No, it's not. Actually, the conversation now is this week, uh, the uh, the unions, uh, education, NPOs are pushing government to open up the schools totally to have the kids come back and have a normal uh, learning uh, mm -hmm. cycle. So it's not a, it's not a, it hasn't been rosy, but mm -hmm. like I said, there are two countries in South Africa. Uh, the the pandemic actually gave rise to a new type of school that is flourishing as well here. Uh, for example, UCT, that is the University of Cape Town. Yes, yes, uh, they started the online high school. The online high school. Uh, they opened their doors last week and they had uh, a, a, a student complement of 4,000 learners. So it means that there's appetite for that online learning as well. And they're not the only ones because you find that all the big uh, education groups, that is the private groups, they all now have an option of either you want to learn uh, in class, in person, or online. So there is an, an online-only stream as well. So that means that, yes, there are positives that have come out, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's the inequality that is uh, yes. showing. Because yes. mm -hmm. you find uh, private schools, they account for almost like 2% of learners in South Africa. So this is very mm -hmm. elitistic. You know, it's, it's very, very niche and uh, out of... Uh, reach for the majority of the learners. So yes, there yes. is a crisis because even going back to teaching and learning uh, content-wise, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. the the department had to streamline the, 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 the syllabus to say, okay, let's take out certain topics in maths, let's take out certain topics to try and squeeze and get these learners to actually progress into the next year. But you find that a subject like, for example, mathematics is a cumulative subject. If you miss certain fundamentals, uh, it's very difficult to, to learn other concepts on top of things that you, you, have, uh, you have skipped or haven't given enough enough rigor you know you know what i mean so there mm -hmm. is a lot of uh, blank uh, spaces in the learning journey uh, that are going to be really difficult to fill and they it, they might actually have a cumulative effect especially for kids that are in ecd that missed out on a crash or or their grade one two three was disrupted that is a catalytic effect or over time to be actually very huge. Unlike somebody and who was and, and sorry, maybe just to jump into that, you already seen yeah. some of that because one of the mamas that I saw on WhatsApp, I mean, we are on that platform, <laughs> is that the results just came out for your matric exams and especially for mathematics, there was quite, mm. I mean, if they, I mean, the conversations that are happening on that platform is anything to go by. Tell us, what happened? How did people perform in maths? And I'm going to just ask you that, <laughs> and I'm going to jump very quickly to West Africa. I think we must have another show to continue this conversation. There's a lot yes. going on. 
I think Rugendo, uh, you can hear the grass is not as green on the other part, on the other side, but well, yeah. it's watered a little. So tell us what's going on with maths. What happened so, with the matrix? So you know, South Africa has consistently been ranked uh, almost last in terms of maths and science uh, education. So the government, uh, the Department of Education, that's the ministry, is very creative. They lowered the pass rate to thirty percent, and this is thirty percent not just from the exam. But it's got coursework. So coursework accounts for 25%. So effectively, in the exam, <laughs> you need 5% <laughs> to pass, you know. So they've been creative. They've lowered the standards. But still, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not helping even in the number of passes. Uh, the, 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 the dismal performance, especially in maths and science, is... Uh, is a, is, is a historic thing, but this last year has been really so bad. bad. It was really bad. Yes. I think one would say one would say the hens are coming home, you know, like it's time for the roosters are coming home. There's a statement like that because perhaps we're looking at the cumulative impact of yes. this, um, of what's been going on, the pandemic. And um, I think that's what I was saying that in addition to health issues, and I know, yes, there's a bit of conversation about is it the teachers? Are the teachers not teaching well? Is it the resources? And from what I saw, uh, are they, is it the choices? I saw people even questioning things like, should we be giving students tools like calculators? Some very fundamental mm. conversations. But I think mm. part of what this is also saying, and I think we, and that's what I was saying for the Ugandan folks, because they have an opportunity to learn from other countries. You know, here we are two years down the line and we're saying, oh, of course, things are things are not good. I, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about learning losses. I don't like that term so much. But mm. the thing that is saying, what we are saying here is that um, even for the online, those who are learning online, it came mm. with new pedagogical demands. That's it. Mm. And you, there, there are different ways that you teachers had to teach. As I said, it was not business as usual. Some students are in school two days a week, three days a week. What happens? Yeah. How does that affect what's going on? Number two, when they're in class, you're meeting them after two days, or they can't interact so closely. They can't have group work. You know, interaction yeah. is limited. What does that mean? How do we improve or how do we customize our pedagogy to respond to mm. some of these challenges? Those are some of the fundamental questions we need to be asking ourselves. And as you say, if we dig into these things, we might actually come up with some very uh, good innovations to support and strengthen yeah. teaching and learning. But uh, we have to ask these tough questions. And I'm going to come back to you because we are almost running out of time because there's so much. I want, I want to come back to the South African conversation and hear a little bit more about this option that students have to do uh, a mathematics that people seem to say is more of English than mathematics and how that is not even changing the performance. But I don't think we are going to have time to talk about it here. So I must look for you again as we have another conversation, these top conversations in Africa. I think we need two shows. So anyway, just to get a little bit of a sense of what's going on in West Africa, we already have a sense of the headache and the joys in South Africa. We have Mr. Bemba with us. Bemba, please, but, uh, sorry, I know I'm saying your name not very well, Bemba, if I'm not wrong. Please introduce yourself in a second and then just tell us a little bit of what's going on in Sierra Leone. You've been listening to Uganda and now South, South, South Africa. What's going on in West Africa and Sierra Leone? Apart from the fact that there's AFCON and we are all, quite a bit is going on on that end. You guys have been competing amongst yourself very well. What's going on? Um. Bemba, can you hear me? 
um hello i know he's been having uh i've unmuted him we can see that he's connected um remember okay that's technology also we have to acknowledge that so Edzai, as we wait for bemba bemba as soon as you're able to join in please just jump in it's your time but we're just waiting for your line to come live Edzai, so 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 yes you you there's there's excitement new online high schools are coming up really looking nice but yes that's just 2% of people and i also yeah. had a conversation i remember having a conversation with a 7 year old or 5 year old south african kid who had the opportunity to go through online learning because he was in a private school but especially at the beginning it sounded like it didn't go quite right listening to the student and just hearing their feedback and it was not just him i was talking to two students from private schools so as much as also we can see online learning going on i think we must be aware that it doesn't look as rosy as it may seem because you see as human beings uh, mm-hmm. we we are multimodal learners uh, we are visual learners, we are active learners, like, you know, there's so many ways of learning. Uh, like, you know, the multiple intelligence uh, test, I don't know if you've done it before, where uh, it's different types of intelligences. So now uh, learners were deprived of that, you know, even that intuitive knowing that teachers have from experience, uh, where, as you are explaining, seeing the kids' kids' faces and actually... Uh, innately knowing that this one might not be understanding just from the facial expression, you know, those yes. all those things were removed. The humanness in us were removed, and uh, there was also a challenge in terms of uh, the the teacher's capability in creating engaging content uh, that they could actually be consumed by learners who learn differently. So you find that what really happened was that people just took the textbooks that they already had. Or, mm-hmm. or notes and then just put them online. So it was almost like taking paper and turning it into PDF mm-hmm. and trying to do what they've always done offline, online, which is a totally different medium altogether. And that is that is a problem. And then coming back to the online schools that are coming up, uh, mm-hmm. these are profit-oriented uh, entities that are, that, are, that are emerging. And you find that their key metrics, their KPIs, uh, are not necessarily uh, the achievement of, of teaching and learning, but the, the enrollment rates, in, uh, they have these almost like marketing type commercially oriented metrics that they use uh, to, 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 to attract investors and stuff like that. You know, you know what I mean? So yes, yes. We, there is a huge need to have even standards for 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 learning uh, edtech edtech tools, you know, because you find uh, schools were procuring some really weird uh, <laughs> systems that uh, were promising uh, heaven and earth, but in other words, they, but in a, in actual fact, they were not solving any problems uh, and to teaching and learning. So that's that is our a, that's been our yes. headache as a continent because it's not just the education system, it's even with the health system where sometimes we have these guys from the other parts of the world coming with all this technology and, yeah. you know, they 
reputation will look very cool. It's like, you know, you have the one bullet that is going to solve all your problems. And sometimes, again, as Africans, we, especially private schools, which sometimes think sophistication means things are happening. And so <laughs> we end up investing. And unfortunately, in some cases, mm-hmm. the governments end up investing on our behalf on things that we eventually do not use effectively or efficiently. Yes. So you're right that there's a lot of conversation that needs to happen. And there's a lot of thinking behind all these new pedagogical demands. But there's also opportunity because mm. I think some countries tried radio and I kept saying, we need to make radios work because if, they, if, if things were to shut down like they almost did, mm. that's the one that is perhaps most... Um, accessible but as you say what is the quality assurance mechanism how Mm. do how do we think through these things in terms of okay there's emotions emotions is part of learning Mm. and so in this case we're going to do online so how do we build that in you know all those thinking through and i think we're not giving up i I know you are not giving up as math gay because that's the space you work in and we must not give up as a continent all these are challenges but they are also opportunities and we need to make it work for our continent right we really need to make it work for our continent and i want i know i cut you short i just want to see beba tried calling again beba are you able to say something beba before i know i can see we hardly have minutes hello please try to say something from sierra leone i've not had anybody from sierra leone on my show so i was really excited that today i had uganda and sierra leone hi Hello. Hello. Yeah, we have a voice from Sierra Leone. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you, Doc. Um, Please introduce yourself and just tell us one minute. What's the conversation in Sierra Leone right now about education? Yeah, the conversation right now in Sierra Leone is about the recent release of the WASC, the West African. Mm Examination, secondary school certificate, yes, and uh, it was uh, it was very very good. The performance was good by the mm-hmm. students, so it's the it's a, it's a top conversation right now in Sierra Leone, as the, the the rate of passes was fine, was encouraging. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's really encouraging, really. Uh, and and you know, exactly that's another and, and thing. Know, that's, that's another thing, thing that is. Another thing interesting, because if you look at last year's exams, really, um, in South Africa, I, I, I remember doing a show where I scanned through different exam results from different parts uh, of countries that had done exams just after the pandemic. Well, there are different, um, there were different observations. Of course, we know that a number of girls dropped out of school, but it also looked like the girls that stayed in school actually really, I mean, they, they really narrowed the gap between the girls and the boys if the results were, especially the top, the, the top level. And that was the case in South Africa and West Africa. And, and, and now Bemba is saying um, in, their, in their case, and I think even the last year's results were not as bad. So as you're saying, it takes some time perhaps to see the impact of this pandemic. Um, as Bemba is saying, there's, there's excitement that the examination results were encouraging. I know in Rwanda also, we, we posted quite some good examination results the first year after the pandemic, but I think Rwanda it was unique in a way that students were asked to repeat the year that they had lost. So this is exciting, Weber. So 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 what are you people? Um, so 
what 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 are you associating that good results with mr member uh what what's going on so what's what are the lessons what what are you saying about this year or, or going forward the sierra leone well uh, the 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 results um for me currently we it is associated with uh, so many so many students getting their requirement to the university, which, 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 which is a, which has a very high competition. Sometimes, and they, they, they attach when this when this results comes out, they attach that to exam practice, you know, so many other sort of things. But uh, the mm -hmm. government, the government appreciate the fact that they are doing a lot with their partners to mm -hmm. see that because to, to see how they can continue to roll the, the free mm -hmm. quality school education, because that's a flagship program of the government of the day. Yeah. So in, in that case, they, they too, they celebrated that it, 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 has, it, it, it is paying off, the, the, their free quality education is paying off to this kind of results. So presently, some of those students have succeeded getting their requirements. Some are in the process of getting their interviews and uh, admission into the into the into their various universities. So and uh, shout out to sorry. all the students, to all the teachers from Sierra Leone. I just wanted to jump in there to say to tell Mr. Rugiendo that you see there's hope, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, because again, uh, these are exams happening one or two years since the pandemic. It is a regional exam, so perhaps there wasn't too much space to do any monkey business, as Zai may have pointed to, you know, things being lowered. Um, but I think one of the things I just want I to say loud here, I, I, I say that uh, I've not had an opportunity to have Sierra Leone uh, on my shows and I've been looking forward. I've been following the Minister for Education for Sierra Leone. He's one of the most, I would say, interesting ministers of education. He's very, he seems to be very easygoing, accessible, very passionate about what he's doing in education. Uh, and I think it's just, um, it's just, it's just great watching him from a distance i mean the, the the closest i have come is to follow him on twitter and just track some of his posts so i think there's energy there is as you as as mr baby is saying there's energy and there's a sense of commitment education is one of the flagship uh, areas for that particular government i have seen from at least the few items i've read that there's quite some energy that has been injected in terms of from the Ministry of Education. They are not kind of sitting back, looking tired, having given up, but they are actually looking like they are right in the front line, leading people, visiting schools, oozing around with so much energy and sense of confidence. And um, here we are saying that things are looking good in terms of results, regional examination, sitting for regional examination. So perhaps, again, there's some lesson to to borrow from uh, Sierra Leone, uh, there's always lesson to learn from each country. Um, and, and I just want to say it's unfortunate that we are over time. This show is supposed to be 90 minutes. We are three minutes past 90 minutes. So I'm just going to very quickly allow <coughs> our two guests who are still here, Edzai, your one statement of closure. Remember, this is a pause. We have not dug into what's going on with the maths. I would love to hear more about the alternative stream. So we, I will definitely be requesting you to come back onto the show. But just one thing, out to uh, 2022, as we step into 2022, what, what you, yeah. your one so, thought? 
So I think we've been through the worst and uh, mm-hmm. all we can do is go up and uh, we just need to take the lessons, the, the challenges that we had as lessons and mm-hmm. uh, and learn from them and incorporate them. So blended learning uh, is, 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 not, is not that bad. I think it's the way forward now. Thank you. Thank you. We are finishing on a very hopeful note. I, I used to, I think I used to think of this, there's a statement that you say, if you're at the bottom, the best place to be in is at the bottom, because uh, after that, the only thing you can do is to climb up. So that's what Edzai is saying. We've gone through the worst, and now the only direction we can climb is upwards. Thank you, Edzai. Definitely, if we are going to uh, help fund that flame and make sure that uh, we actually get higher and higher. Thank you. And I'm looking forward for more conversations with you. Um, Beba, you have not even started talking. So please just know that um, you definitely have to come back. But if, from what you've had so far today, because I know you were in earlier, one last thought as an educationist from West Africa, in this case, Sierra Leone. Yes, yes. But for me, for today, I will end that um, mm-hmm. because we, you, you mentioned, I heard you um, um, briefly that we have to keep the, the discussion ongoing, more especially on radio. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking of an idea before you, you contacted me. I thought of this idea that I called it as a teacher in which I would engage the teachers on particular subjects so that we can reach out to the kids or to the children in communities so that at least they will find life as a phone and also something beneficial to them. So I think it is a very good idea that this discussion is going to thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you, Beba. We'll thank definitely you, come back to dig a little deeper into deep that. Deep. I know that um, Sierra Leone, for example, if we were to learn lessons about radios, it's one of the countries that we should go to because you've had it for the longest time. There's also been some research, some very good research done around the radio programming. And I know all countries in Africa tried radio, but we didn't have a common script. And I think it's time we looked at what we did and learned lessons from that and see how we can build it back. Because blended could be blended on in terms of internet. It could actually be blended perhaps also in terms of using radio and class. So let's look at what the future holds for us on that line. And definitely we'll be having more conversations on that. Rugendo, you started this conversation with us. You are the, coming from the star country right now. Uh, what are your last thoughts from the conversations I, that we have just begun and will continue with? Thank you very much, first of all, for hosting me and also getting me in touch with my brothers, Ezai and, uh, and Beba from way up north. Uh, me, I think I'm looking at two things. One. Whatever we do, mm-hmm. you know, there must be, we must, we must emphasize life first. Life is very, very important. I think it is important for African yes. schools and, uh, and the stakeholders to not get excited and, uh, and get lost into the, the idea that we, we must catch up with time and then forget mm-hmm. that our lives are very important. The lives of our children are also very, very important. We have mm-hmm. to, the, our system, our education system has to learn to live with this pandemic and uh, and we make sure we keep fighting against it. Then, of course, secondly and lastly, uh, it is also very important that uh, to emphasize quality. Why? Uh, because because uh, the pandemic has taught us that um, that careers have been disrupted and uh, mm-hmm. and the focus 
focus on what my brother calls blended learning, lifelong long learning, life skilling, you know, is going to be very, very important for our children to be able to to withstand shocks of this nature in future. You know, the, all of us, the yes. pandemic really caught, off, caught us off guard and we've learned mm -hmm. that it has successfully disrupted very many different mm -hmm. careers and of course thrust in, in place uh, new careers that, that require mm -hmm. certain models of learning, certain uh, uh, ways, certain uh, systems of, of learning, new ways, new innovative ways of, of learning. And I think mm -hmm. we need to rethink the entire education system that we're currently running on the African continent and focus, uh, refocus and look to, towards more of, uh, of, of skills-based learning and uh, learning that equips uh, a child to be able to fend for themselves in the future. Very interesting. I think that's also a very big line of conversation. Should we, be just, should we, should we just go skills? <laughs> should we just go skills? And does going skill? Because that's partly what we are pushing with the competency-based uh, curriculum. But the, the big questions, uh, because sometimes we seem to dissociate skills with knowledge. That, you know, we should stop about knowledge and just talk about skills. And uh, then you go to countries like the US and you see them say, you know, some of the people who, were, who for example, did not have jobs as many jobs during jobs were disrupted during this um, this pandemic. Who are they, and who continued learning? So, as you say, we have been treated with lemon. We need to determine what kind of lemonade we're going to make out of it that will really suit us as a continent and position us not just for survival, but to equally compete. Actually, actually, doctor. Um, yes. Actually, doctor, uh, I, I want Miriam just come in again. I'll just end with a, a small. Um, uh, joke that has been going on around in, here in, the, in Uganda. You know, during the first lockdown, the mm -hmm. president addressed the nation and uh, mm -hmm. and listed twenty three uh, mm -hmm. uh, lines of work that he considered to be essential. Uh, mm -hmm. And that people who were engaged in those Sorry, your connection is a little patchy now. Are the essential workers who could not be... Uh, if you know you are not an essential worker, then there's a problem with, problem with what you studied. The, 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 the pandemic was to show us what what jobs are essential and what kind of jobs are not essential, and 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 for, and for me this is good for for educational yes, researchers yes, like indeed. you to, to study and and what kind of roles what what role pandemic lockdowns and and, and and progressing as essential roles or essential jobs if you might call them and that would inform the kind of uh, pedagogic, pedagog pedagogical um, uh, uh, skills that probably we need uh, to apply in our education sector. I thank you very much. I must say that your, 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 yeah, I must say your president has there's so much to just look at from him. I mean, in terms of the way he's dealt with this, I think one of the things that I saw happen 
perhaps in this that same thought of line is when he proposed and i don't know whether it has happened to increase the salaries of science teachers quite massively yes. and not arts yes. teachers and he wasn't he, he didn't have a care when people uh, when there was a little bit of murmurs he said you know you know <laughs> I, I mean he had quite some statements that were quite alarming and interesting to look into. I think there's so much to discuss on our show and we're looking forward to pulling out some of these things and asking ourselves those pertinent questions. I think the most important thing is that we need to be talking one to another and we need to be learning from each other. And that's one of the things we expect to do with this show and perhaps other things. I think I just want to mention as I finish that teachers who are listening to us, I just um, um, advertised a master's series training for teachers on textbook writing. And this is based on a conversation we had here last year about teachers and textbook writing. Ghana, for example, is grappling with implementing its new curriculum because they say there are no textbooks. And it's almost like the teachers are sitting in the classroom, wringing their hands and saying there are no textbooks. And we discussed and asked ourselves, who is supposed to write the textbooks? And we actually discovered that many teachers actually have tried, have attempted, but they really just need to be supported to ensure that we can actually churn out textbooks that can truly support the kind of learning. And so I've stepped forward to host um, an online masterclass series on textbook writing, especially textbooks that would support self-regulated learning, which is coming out as a big thing now, as we see uh, students being asked to, you know, to really not just sit back and wait for the teacher to teach them, but also be involved in learning. But learning is a skill. It needs to be taught. And we need to learn a little bit about some of these things. So if you're a teacher and you're interested in textbook writing, please look out for that advertisement. Please apply the 20 scholarships, 20 teachers from across the continent will be the first cohort in that online series. I will be leading the course. There will be other guest trainers from other parts of the world, including, of course, from our very own Africa. So thank you very much, everybody. It's been a pleasure being back uh, uh, on air. For This is my first show this, this year. And if we are to go by it, I think it's only going to get better as we go on. Very pertinent conversation. I salute you, Mr. Oguendo from Uganda for joining us, Mr. Exai from South Africa, Mr. Baimba from Sierra Leone. We have not even begun discussions about what's going on in Sierra Leone. I'm looking forward to inviting you back so that we have second series of top conversations on education in Africa. If it is a Sunday afternoon show, you know, on Teachers Talk Radio, you know you'll be interacting with Africa's own education doctor and education evangelist. That's me, Dr. Herin, right from the heart of the land of a thousand hills here in Kigali. So bye over and out. I've enjoyed your company. Thank you for being with us this long. And I look forward to seeing all of us next week, same time. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.